This a success off another breath. This the first step in searching to be nothing less than be the best in what you do to prove their strength in being you. Learn so much in chasing dreams that I never would in school. And what's going on, guys? Kieran Eadley here from the Pocket Coach Podcast, the place where we bring mental health and performance together through a scope of both science and mindfulness, or if you will, spirituality. Now, we have a very fantastic human here uh, with such an intriguing uh, story. He's, I mean, a business mentor. I mean, some people might even call him a life coach. Some people might call him a success coach. There's many names for this incredible human uh, that you could probably use pretty effectively. Uh, He's, in my life, a friend, but also as well, I see him as a mentor. Uh, I've learned a lot from this man uh, that I have right in front of me, right next to me. I'm so excited to share not just his story, but many of the lessons that he teaches with some incredible people that he works with. Uh, he quite literally coaches some uh, some of the most successful people uh, in the space of New Zealand. It's pretty incredible. Um, so without further ado, I'd love to introduce Chent Thambaya. And this man, uh, yeah, I can guarantee you guys are going to learn a lot from this guy. Um, he's achieved so much. I mean, going from being on the streets, uh, doing some pretty crazy things to, uh, yeah, quite literally uh, helping some of the most incredible people in the corporate space. So, welcome. Thank you. Welcome. Pleasure. Oh, brother. So excited for this, man. Me too, man. So excited to see what unfolds. 100%. (laughs) I actually, um, just the other day, um, the other day, I mean, probably about two weeks back, I met uh, Chent over in Giraffe on the viaduct of here in Auckland, New Zealand. And uh, yeah, we had just sat down for a beautiful conversation. It was the first time we'd actually met up and it must be about uh, four years, five years, um, where we actually, it was the first time we met each other properly. And you're actually um, at the time um, in the building of one of your um, older businesses, um, which I'm so excited to hear more about. But yeah, today we're not just going to talk about personal development and uh, general success. We're also going to talk about business. We're going to talk about how um, Chent here has actually transformed his life from a place of worrying about money to quite literally the exact opposite of that, <laughs> to complete abundance, uh, because that is a big factor that a, that a lot of people actually mark to be a big critical point of their mental health issues, which is financial issues. So, um, I mean, it's quite literally the biggest um, that people mark in America is um, the biggest cause of anxiety and depression that they, they state through stats is, um, is money, which is crazy, right? So I think it's such a big um, topic to actually touch on. And it's unfortunately seemingly taboo a lot of the time, especially in these sort of podcasts. So I'm very excited to delve into that. 100%, man. I feel we'll bring a, a very healthy perspective to, to money, right? Um, that probably has taken us a lot of trials and tribulations and beautiful experiences in life to come to ourselves. Totally. And, and we never really get there. Like as much as my money story serves me a lot more in life right now, yeah. I find that um, sometimes the same old money stories still linger in my mind as you'll probably face yourself. And, I'm 100%. Right? 100%. So I'm excited for whatever comes through us. Brother, me too. Me too. So um, what I'd love to start with is a little bit more about uh, your what you do currently in terms of the kinds of people that you are working with. And then we'll delve a little bit into your history. Cool. So I want to start there exactly so people get an idea of who you are. Yeah. So talk awesome. to us about that. I would say the the person that aligns best with me is a, I like to label them a visionary. And um, it's funny. I, I was thinking about this a lot lately of being, I guess, continually refining through we go through our process in life and business, right? And the, the question is, who do I serve? Mm. Um, yes, we serve everybody, but who's that special individual I serve? 
And then I realized that I got a tattoo on the side of my head that says visionary. <laughs> um, I forgot I got that. Yeah, right? yeah. So, and then I asked myself, what is the definition of a visionary, right? Mm. And I just realized for me, a visionary is somebody that honestly um, has beautiful imagination and, and sees, thing in this, sees things in this world that may not be their current reality mm. and, and that ends up becoming creation or that, deriv- that, that breakdown of imagination being image in action and image taking physical form. That was something that really started to change my life in the beginning. So doubling down on that, bringing it back to that question, man, um, I honestly just serve high performers and visionaries mm-hmm. that are honestly either looking to start um, mm-hmm. creating their, their vision or uh, in the process of actually already building it. And they may have hit points of stagnancy where, you know, they may be achieving levels of financial success already, yeah. but um, they're stagnant, they're not happy, something is missing that's where I tend to come into the picture and, and answer a lot of things and help these visionaries really f- physically actualize their, their dream and their imagination. Amazing, brother. Oh, man, I'm, I'm so grateful uh, to have you here speaking about this stuff because this is such a, um, yeah, the kind of stuff that's going to be flowing from this guy is such a needed conversation, I feel, especially in this sort of space. Um, so speaking on that, uh, talk to us about, uh, of course, more in terms of, uh, if you're open to it as well, like sort of like the specific kinds of people that you do work with, sure, um, sure. sort of what they do, because um, yeah. I think that would actually be 100% yeah, man. in terms of like um, the peakest, the most peak of those yeah, people. Yeah, I, I heard a quote recently that that really answered this question for myself yeah. um, or even a statement. And it was it was around um, I didn't find my target market. I had to accept my target market. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. And that really sunk for me because Shint, my character, my story, right? He's always liked the idea of working with certain individuals. So what I thought I, who I thought I worked with was high performers, but there was something missing in that I felt. And if I looked at all of my past clients, who are they? Because these are the people that have always come to me. Um, I get people honestly... One general category um, of the people that are yet to launch their vision is they'll be stuck in a nine-to-five job. They'll be, may, may just be stuck in their own business, but they're feeling unhappy and unfulfilled. And to the point that they want to take a jump, they want to step into something that equals fulfillment. They want to pursue their passion and that yeah. keyword of freedom and even define what freedom means to them. So I get a lot of people that are in this hamster wheel mm-hmm. looking to launch something and not just launch it, but launch it and skyrocket it, right? So that's a whole bunch of people fall into that category. Um, they tend to want to get into coaching. Yeah. Maybe it's because I'm a coach myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I find that through their own liberation, the thing closest to their heart is to serve that liberation back, back to other people and understand how to monetize it, not to make it about the money, but to understand the, what role money plays in that liberation. Um, for it to be something where they can actually allow the exchange of money yeah. in order to actually serve more people yeah. and, and serve the people they are serving and working with it on a much deeper level. So I would say, honestly, coaches is, is who I do work I with. I love that. Yeah. And at different tiers, whether they're just launching, they're already established, they're working with thousands of people a month and it's feeling more like a job now. Yeah. I work with that end of the spectrum too. So anyone from start to heavily established, but any sort of a, a coach or a service provider. What would you say, quote unquote, would be this, um, the most, I, I suppose, the most successful individual you've worked with? Yeah. 
as an name or like a um or just category. what they do um, if you wish to name yeah, them, yeah. Be fantastic but either way i would say honestly the the experienced personal trainer wow maybe that's because what i was wow <laughs> um and that's again something that i've only just realized is the person that's been working for themselves trading time for money yeah for at least four or five years and they're in this place now where they're not really liking the commitment level of their clients. They're feeling burnt out. It's become this weird client session chasing game. Yeah. Just to stay afloat. Every time they've gotten sick in the past, they don't bring in money because they're not in the gym yeah, yeah. as an example. And and that person that's honestly starting to lose their passion. Um, and this isn't what they got into the industry for. Yeah. That person taking them from a hundred dollar session to clients for 25k and 10k per client yep. and guys this is what shame was works with a hundred percent so wow. that's something that i i invested into my own mentors to learn for myself and i would say if i think about that one person that i've created the most profound result for they would all fall into that category mm. i can see a handful of past clients that were experienced personal trainers that really had a passion that wanted to ch wanted to change lives but that it's not what they were seeing it's not what they were experiencing and and that big jump into learning how and why to put clients in a position to really transform rather than another meal plan or another training program um, that's equated to amazing things in their life and their clients' lives. Yeah, and guys, this is um, not just like 25K for like a two-year thing. It's like literally a, like a six-week six gig, right? That's um, this it. sort of thing. Like, I've had, I've yeah, had guys do um, a 45-minute boxing session for 10, 10 grand. What? Wow. Three, three of my clients actually done yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, that is incredible. That's incredible. So talk us through that evolution. How does one go from, because um, we'll, I want to get to your story um, and because this is, I think, going to sort of foreshadow exactly what your story is about. Um, how, do you, how do you actually take individuals from that place where they're charging, you know, maybe even less than $100 a session to charging $10,000 for a 45-minute session? Yeah, I would talk say... The, the thing that was drilled into me to help me do it firstly was transformation, not informa information. So serve a transformation, don't sell information. And if you really do think about it, right, when someone comes into a gym and they want to lose weight, and we'll use the gym example, um, they're going to sit down with a personal trainer and the personal trainer is going to talk to them about their goals. And their goals are going to be, I want to lose 10 kgs in 10 weeks. So then we're like, okay, cool. Um, that will probably, you're going to need to do this, this, and this, and it will be two sessions a week for the next. So you're already breaking down their goal into time and sessions. But instead of looking at the other spectrum of what does that 10 kgs mean to you? Who do you need to become to lose those 10 kgs? Who will you be after those 10 kgs? And the big question is how much is that transformation worth to mm. you? If you shape it right, you begin to understand a client's transformation is priceless. Yeah. And when you can convey it in that point and get the client to understand it, then the client is in a position where they understand that, hey, I've tried personal trainers before. I've tried meals pl meal plans before. I've put 100 bucks into here, 50 bucks into here. But what's going to get you committed? Is that transformation worth another 100 bucks where you may fall off? Or is it worth potentially a large sum that's going to make you very uncomfortable to the point it has to work this time. Mm. You've made a commitment, yeah. right, to change. You've given up something. You've let go of something that's uh, reflected the level of your commitment. Yeah. And that understanding of doubling down on the client's transformation 
and it's not about the coach's worth, yeah, but it's about how much that client's transformation is worth. Mm, oh, that's so shifting the perspective beautiful. to your to your yeah. client and what it's worth to them is is the hundred percent place where to start that shift. It's incredible, and the beautiful thing about this is this optimizes the coach's ability to serve the client, doesn't it? So it actually works both ways. I mean, I know, I know there's a lot of um, sort of uh, uh, contradicting um, concepts that can come into mind in terms of um, I'm ripping the person off, um, like I don't deserve this much money, all these sort of like yes. limiting aspects that can come into play. So speak on firstly, uh, what does that enable the coach in order to serve the client in terms of that investment? Yes. Like how, how, how much different is the potential of the client's growth when they're just investing a hundred dollars compared to maybe you know when that client invests ten thousand. Definitely, yeah. um, I think the big big thing to reiterate is commitment factor, right? Yeah. So when a when a client does inv- invest a large sum of money as a reflection of their commitment, you're going to notice a very different client. It's not yeah. a client you're chasing up. It's not a client you're convincing. You're wanting their goal more than they want it themselves. Wow. That's something that I start wow. to notice a lot. Yeah. Right. Um, it's almost like you have to do, you, you don't even, re- even really need to do much. You're doing the bare minimum, but just navigate the ship wow. towards the North Star. Yeah. And, and you're really being a, a coach or a guide, in my opinion, right? And what does that do when you're receiving the money? Because that's the thoughts, man. When I, when I started getting 25000 per client, um, $50,000 in a day, you go through a little bit of crisis. Like, do I need this? Am I ripping them off? I've asked myself the question many times, right? But Understand that that money is not for you. Yeah. It's it's for your mission. Yeah. It's going back into the business of service. Yeah. So that allows you as your business and your brand yes. to, to flourish even more, to reach out and put more people in a position to transform rather than playing the little game of, of serving information. Oh, that's so good. And putting a Band-Aid on the real problem. Yes. Yeah. So what would you say to those people that are like, well, I cast, um, so I'm a coach or, you know, I'm a personal trainer or whatever they're doing. I want to charge more, um, but I don't believe that I'm worth or value valued at this specific amount. One of the things you mentioned, of course, was, okay, shift it from what it is that they're giving me to what it is I'm giving them in terms of shifting it. Okay. Well, how much am I worth? No. Okay. How much is their transformation worth? And I love those points. Um, but maybe what is um, what is a, another thing that they can start to do if they do have those limiting beliefs in terms of man, I, I don't, I just don't know if I can do it. Yeah. What do you say then? Honestly, there's there's two routes I can say. The first thing I'll touch on, and then I'll add the other one on the end is: Have you made that level of commitment yourself? Mm. You know, and that's tough. Oh, I like that. Yes, yes, it's, yes. It's very easy to want to charge more, to receive more, to make more, to take more. But what have you given? Have you given something on that same level of energetic energetic exchange, right? Yes. And that's something that I've... Because that's what money is, right? It's literally just energy. It's a means. It's not a goal. Yeah. 100%. It's it's almost like a mirror, right? Um, Whatever you show the mirror is what you're going to get. So if you're showing the mirror $100 and then you're asking the mirror for $10,000, you are getting $100. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Um, Totally uh, aside from the money, like the fact of the money. So I would say look at what level of commitment you've put yourself in. Um, and maybe find someone who's done that, you know, whether it's myself, whether it's you, whether it's someone, somebody else out there, if there's someone that is doing what you're doing, um, commit into them yourself. So you know what, uh, all in commitment feels like, and then there's no incongruence when you're speaking about that commitment to your client. Yeah. Right. And secondly, when you're going through a commitment like that, let's just say you're, you're doing it the solo route. Yeah. Maybe your, your commitment, commitment or investment is not into a mentor, but into a thing. Um, and you're a lone ranger, I wouldn't really 
recommend that. Mm. Always get a guide, right? Yeah. But when you're a lone ranger, the ability to observe your thoughts is make or break. Yeah. Um, because when you take a big uncomfortable jump, right, as we know, um, fear is is a is a big factor. Uh, everything in your mind from your thoughts to keep you safe, to keep you who you are, to protect your old paradigms. And if you don't have a level of separation and stillness and awareness to to see the dialogue going on in your mind, um, it's going to be a very interesting ride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting, also meaning inhibiting, right? Yeah, 100%, yeah. 100%. You go in a circle for a long time to realize you could have stepped off the treadmill you know <laughs> yes. yes um until of course um i know you know this very well i know i know this very well until the suffering of um uh endless mindless pursuit and uh uh same result just brings too much suffering um and to the point where it's actually i can't do this anymore i need to change that's it yeah yeah and yeah. sometimes we need to go through that suffering uh, too yeah, yeah, to come true. to that point yeah, right? I, well i definitely wouldn't be on the same on the path that i'm Likewise. on now um yeah yeah 100 percent. yeah if it wasn't for that so i, I feel with that brother um so now let's get to your story. Um, I'd love to uh, invite you to share a little bit about, firstly, where things started for you. Of course, talk a little bit about your family because I, I think that's important to bring into play here um, based on what you've shared with me. Um, and then also guide us through the stages of both your business growth alongside your personal development growth. And I would love to um, hear how that's mirrored because um, I think that's so crucial here um, on this podcast. Amazing, man. Um this is going to be cool for me to reiterate because one thing that's been a powerful thing in my chapter recently is seeing my story for what it was, but also realizing that as much as I am my story, I'm also not my story, you know? Yeah. So it's almost like, as I share with you guys, um, it almost feels like it'll be the last time I own this story because in past podcasts, I've said that this story is why I'm the way I am. But I realized the story got me to a point that I was able to see through the story to become who I really am. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, man, where do I start? Um, family migrated to New Zealand from Malaysia. Yes. Um, mom, dad, and older brother. Uh, they're all Malaysian born. So I was the first Kiwi um, in the house, right? So it was very interesting for me. I always felt like an outsider, even in my own family. I would bring the kiwi vibes um yeah. back into the household and you know my parents and my brothers like what is this yeah. you know um asian indian families there's a lot of like um you can't say this you can't do that but i was breaking all of those rules so i was always rebellious uh outcasted left misunderstood even in my own household and when i was out playing with my friends um i always i was I was the brown kid, right? In a white school in that, and you know, to start things off. So I always felt like I wanted to fit in with them. So there was this always this um, ability that I deliver, uh, acquired or developed, I should say, very early on, at least by the age of five or six. Because I remember going into primary school and thinking like, I feel like an outcast, right? Um, by the time I was six or seven, I had a group of friends around me. Um, and I didn't know this ability that I developed that continued to serve me all through my adulthood, right? So I had a group of friends. I was living as a general Kiwi kid. Um, things started to shift. Uh, the big thing that rattled everything, I was 10 years old now. And I remember all I used to do in my spare time is either play outside or play computer games. So I was playing computer games and my brother was on the PlayStation behind me. And my mom came in and said, hey, 
um, I just felt found something under my armpit in the shower. Um, me and my dad, are, me and your dad are going to go to the hospital, a doctor, and just check it out. I'm, I'm thinking nothing of it. I'm deep yeah. inside my game. Yeah, cool. Can we get KFC tonight? You know? like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just a kid. Yeah. I'm a kid. Yeah, totally, man. Right? Totally. And yeah. I remember them taking unusually long to come back. And the, when they did come back, um, my mom stood in the doorway for a while and just like watched me and my brother. I could see her in my peripherals, but I was so immersed in these games at this point. What are you playing? Um, man, I don't remember the specific game because what I used to do was I would... Um, piracy laws. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> <laughs> Ten-year-old you was a ninja, eh? <laughs> I used to um, download about... 10 roms 10 to 20 roms a day for oh, it was like um the G- gba, GBA oh, SNES, genesis brilliant. Yes, um, yes. and on dial-up so i'd leave them overnight so no one picks up the phone oh, that is hilarious. and then throughout the day i'll do a You're full a genius, playthrough a full playthrough on if you know what frame skip is you press the plus button and you play yes. it on 10x yes so I'll 10x games 10 games a day every day for years wow. right so <laughs> i mean miles ahead of all the other kids 100 percent. wow that's why like gamification for me yeah. is on another level yeah. now so good so i was frame skipping something as i do yeah. um funny it brought back that memory no one's <laughs> asked me that question um and i remember mom said something to my brother and then those two were crying um the, and we don't show emotion in the household how old was your brother at the time uh he would have been 14 okay yeah beautiful yeah so a lot more of, of conceptual understanding there. that's yeah, it yeah. that's it um they were crying and it was almost so uncomfortable because we don't show emotion in an asian household that um like we don't say i love you or hug or anything yeah right? right um that i just sort of like stayed out of it i just just pretended nothing was going on and frame skipped my game um and i sort of heard my mom say something like doctor said i have cancer but I remember hearing that and I remember hearing my mum's star sign was cancer. So I was like, what are you talking about? You've always been cancer. Oh, you know? yeah. So I didn't understand. No conceptual understanding. Yeah, nah, yeah. nah. But I remember that clear thing of like, why are you tripping out that she's got cancer? Yeah. She's always been a cancer. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and then the treatment started. Um, and even still, like, I don't know what's going on. I think she's just sick and she's yeah. going to the doctors. Um, since she used to babysit me, um, yeah. as in like, you know, I can't stay by myself at home. And sometimes my brother will go to his friend's house. I used to go with her to all of her chemotherapy treatments and whatnot. And even just thinking back then, man, um, it was an innocence to it. Like I didn't understand. I had no conceptual understanding of this severity, if you want to call it, of of what is going on and, and what it would lead to. Um, when did it start getting serious, man? Is is like, if you fast forward now, okay, she, she beats cancer one year. Um, so now I'm 11. We go, she has a surgery, gets the lumps removed. Doctor says, all clear. Congratulations. You just got to come every six months. Um, 12 years old. I go with her to her checkups. It's all good. You're, you're amazing. Congrats. 13 years old. Go to the checkups. You're good. Amazing. Congrats. 14 years old. Start of the year, go to the checkup. Oh, we found something. Um, let's just do a little bit of a check on this. It's just a normal procedure. Go look. They go and look, look into that and they're like, oh, uh, this is how I conveyed it. I don't know how they, they actually said it, but something was missed in the first surgery when I was 10 for her. Um, oh, and that spread everywhere. And oh. she's got six months to live. Boom. Wow, and it would have hit you then properly then as well. Still, I didn't understand because, oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. man, I was, I was just going to the hospitals all the yeah, time. I true. thought, okay, cool. So we just got to do some more of these little weird yeah. things, you yeah, know? That's a good point, yeah. Um, but I remember there was a, a weird, uh, a very interesting 
energy in the air when it came to desperation now. Okay. Like it wasn't just a normal surgery, but my dad and my mum would research things online and be trying all of these new things and there was a whole lot of exploration with pranic healing and Wow, um, yeah. So they did go medicines. more alternative, yeah. Definitely. And my dad was a Hindu do- devotee for a lot of years, so he was doing a lot of the pranic healing himself. Yeah, yeah. Um and I was observing all of that and the deterioration started now. So um she her hospital visit visits became more and more frequent um and the big one was all, all the all the moments in my life i'm playing games so now yeah. i'm playing games i'm 14 years old playing final fantasy 7 ah uh, okay you remember this one <laughs> yeah i remember that one vividly. Yeah. i remember the soundtrack of, <laughs> to the point <laughs> to the point i couldn't listen to that soundtrack Every time I listened to that soundtrack, like 28, 29 years old, I would get into tears instantly. I didn't know wow. what it was until I done some uh, inner the work. connection, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So I was playing uh, Final Fantasy. My dad was sleeping on the ground behind me. Mum was sleeping on the couch. Mum gets up and she goes, says my name. And she goes, have you eaten? And I go, yeah. And she goes, good. And then she lays back down. And, uh, and then I start hearing a groaning. Like a weird, uh, I've not heard that sound before. And I look, beh- look behind me and she's having a seizure on the couch now. Oh. And I'm panicking, yeah. 14, so I wake my dad up totally. and and we let her do a thing with a seizure because obviously yeah. don't don't know what to do, don't yeah. don't touch her, ring an ambulance, gets taken to hospital, and that was the last time she was ever in our house. Wow. So probably another two, three months was a stay in hospital, and that was yeah. just hospital visits started to happen, more deterioration, um, me and my brother would take turns of going to see my mom. Yeah. And then one day I remember asking my mom, um, uh, asking my family, uh, how's mom? And they go, she's all good. She was a bubbly person, always smiling loud, really wow. loud, like laughter, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Right. So yeah, she was, she was her. She's being herself. Yeah. The next day we got a call that she slipped into a coma. And I always had this little thing of like, man, I wish I was there that day. Because I got the option. Yeah. My brother and my dad was like, do you want to come today? I'm like, no, nah, I'll just see you ah, tomorrow. Right. And that was something, a little regret that I yeah. owned for a while, right? Right, I feel that. Yeah. So all of this start, started to degrade. And then um, family from Malaysia started to come. And then October 24th or 25th, we got a call at about 4 a.m. Um, and it was a doctor saying, things aren't looking good. Come into the hospital. So he went into the hospital. At this point, my mom was deteriora- deteriorated so much that there was fluid in her lungs. So when you're walking down the ward on the way to a room, you can almost hear someone drowning in their own fluid. It was horrific. I can still hear that noise. Um, and it sounded like pain with every single breath. So I remember walking into that groan and it was like, as really bad at this point. Um, and the doctor said like, Hey, this is the state of it. Like, if you want, we'll just pull, like cut the life support now. And we said, yeah, let's do that decision. Wow. Cut the life support, wait, waited, waited. What was going through you at the point at that time? Man, I was in shock. I think I couldn't process any of this, bro. Yeah. Um, so were you very understanding of exactly what was happening at the time? Yeah. Almost too understanding. Like, why am I not feeling anything? Wow. Yeah. Um, I wasn't crying, no tears at this whole point. I think I I'd been conditioned like the last four years of hospital, yes. so I'm thinking this is normal. Yeah, and also as well, but by the sounds of it as well, conditioned to not show emotion as well. That's yeah, it. yeah. My that's dad's not crying. My brother's not yeah. crying. No one is showing expressing. Wow. No one's yeah. expressing. Um, and then, yeah, man, like you just wait there. 
Um, anyone that's been with a loved one when you cut life support, it's interesting, bro. Um, she'd been in a coma. She had an open eyes for like a month, uh, three, four weeks at this point. Um, and then she opened her eyes. So she opened her eyes. Her breath started getting softer, softer, Whoa. softer. She opened her eyes. And when she opened her eyes, the whole family sort of went around her. Yeah. And she took three deep breaths, um, looking at everybody. And then the last deep breath was the last deep breath. I remember that breath. And I remember the look in her eyes. Um, and then everyone obviously cried, um, expressed, took some time with her. And the weird part about that, man, you go back home. <clears throat> the family stays with you for a little bit extra, a week or two. They go back to Malaysia. You go back to school. Life is normal. Just one person's missing now. And I remember laying in bed every day thinking like, do I mean to cry? What do I feel? Like, I don't know. And that started playing a big factor in the rest of my life, man. So like at that point, um, I think the suppression led to depression and anger and frustration. Yes. Um, I didn't know how to let it out. So I just stopped applying myself. I was a kid that used to get like 95% in maths tests. Yes. Um, I remember the first maths test after I got 7%. What? Yeah. It's like a noticeable Whoa. something is up here. Yeah. Right? And everyone sort of thought it was funny. Obviously, I'm not going to show my dad because I'm scared. Yeah. Um, I might get a hiding or something like that, right? <laughs> Asian parents. Yeah, like, yeah. What not... kind of hiding do you get in that? Ah, uh, man. Like, like wooden like... spoon? What was? Yeah, yeah. yeah Anything I got the wooden under spoon. the body. Like, yeah, 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 um, yeah. He would normally use his hand, um, but my mom was actually okay. the one to use belts and you yeah, know, yeah, the, the yeah. weapons. The weapons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I just went down, bro, uh, 7%, 12%, 5%, wow. 4%. Didn't care as well. I started to think it was cool to get that. Yeah. Um, and then I started to, man, I started to feel lost again. I, I felt like no one understood me. I felt like my friend circles didn't get me. Um, I felt weak. I was small. I felt alone. Uh, what did I start to see is I started to see, certain people in my neighborhood and in my area that um people feared right um people feared because they're, they're probably going to get robbed by these dudes yeah. you yeah. know and i got infatuated by it like any young young kid does um i wanted that fear i wanted that power yeah I yeah perceived totally. as power. i thought that was my answer yeah so um, what, what this was this from a place of self-insignificance um and seeking a significance definitely yeah okay yeah seeking a voice seeking yeah. seeking what i thought to be power yeah and would you say that's from that depression that depression that was coming through from the suppression you'd experienced from your mum passing 100 percent. wow yeah 100 percent, man and um i and honestly I just want to pause on that please, for actually please. yeah because i feel like that there's so many so much juice in that right i mean gotcha um I've, i spent my a lot of my life with um exact same sort of things like it was just it wasn't really one specific event in my life it was like a compilement of a whole lot of different little events you know um, from rejection to passings in the family uh to um you know having my heart broken to um to um constant failure in school man i was similar man i was, I was below average in my school um, for a while because of depression um yeah constantly not able to create great associations because of my disassociation that also i'm um, having couldn't really associate myself couldn't be present with people um constantly in my head and um yeah that that created um like this concept of suppression led to a lot of depression in my life and then that just bounced out and created um even less ideal situations around me because i wasn't able to show up and then that again cycled back to more depression it's just like this crazy constant cycle so 
um, what I'd lo- um, I feel like so many people can probably relate to that listening. And I feel like that's such a beautiful thing to touch on is the connection between um, that sort of seek for significance and that sense of self-insignificance um, and that, that factor of, um, I think it's a great as well understanding for people to help people feel a little bit more free when people try seek significance through the exploitation of you. Right. So um, as being able to see, oh, wow, that person's probably very feeling self insignificant and being able to see that grants some sense of freedom for me um, when I can see the other person suffering through their anger and through their frustration and through their exploitation that they're um, showing. Um, I think that's a really beautiful concept of freedom to understand. Right. Yeah. Beautiful, bro. Beautifully said. Like, even as you say that, I come to realize that, you know, when when something traumatic happens in our life and we don't know how to process or or allow yeah. or face in a healthy way our our emotions and our thoughts, suppression occurs and that suppression leads to a a feeling of insignificance and almost like yes. a void within in inside ourselves, yeah. right? Um, and then not knowing how to go within ourselves to yeah. face that void and realize that the void is almost an illusion. Yeah, we we look to fulfill that void externally. Yeah. And that sends us on these weird pursuits that majority of us are on for a lifetime. Totally. Right. Totally. And then that led you to that seeking of significance. So that's when you seek these, you know, exactly. badasses. Exactly, man. <laughs> so talk, to, talk to us about that. I want yeah, to yeah, hear man. about um, the story. It's, it's funny because that seek of significance that led me to those guys actually led me to everything. It, as you said in the start of the yeah. question, that was my pursuit in business too. But yes. if, I, if I go a stage at a time, right, mm. um, I seeked. I seeked significance externally, um, thinking that that would close up the void within me, right? So one of those avenues was um, being around a group of people that had respect, thinking that that would give me respect or give me power. Um, So that led me into, you know, a group of friends that you could label as a gang. Um, And I guess with the kinds of things we were getting up to, um, yeah, you could definitely call it a criminal organization. Um, And when you seek these external things and you get a little bit of a a temporary feeling of significance, you go all into it. Oh, yeah. There's an addiction factor there, right? 100%. 100%. um, It's like with anything. It's like um, being a bully, if you will. Like, I mean, I definitely had moments in high school, not high school, middle school, in middle school when... Um, these factors, even junior school, man, when, um, I, you know, would verbally bully, um, someone out of not even really understanding it was bullying. It was just, um, I'm going to make fun of this person because I've been made fun of and I didn't feel good for me. I want to feel better about myself. I'm going to, you know, and it was like this flow on effect and I didn't even know what was doing it. Um, same as in middle school. I was like, I mean, I say that it definitely wasn't as severe as it sounded. It was quite literally, um, like a sort of passing comment or something like that, but it, it was terrible. You know, when I think about it, I felt guilty about that. Um, but it was for that sort of seeking of self-significance for sure. Um, so yeah, I love that you um, highlighted on that, man. I can totally yeah. relate. Yeah. And and it's funny how we can put labels of positive, interesting, I should say, labels of positive and negative on these external things we seek, right? Mm. Like a lot of mine was negative at first, as in going down the path of gangs, going down the path of street life and everything that comes with that, going down the path of violence even going down the path of females in a negative sense yeah. Um, in terms of just looking at them as objects, um, looking at just getting that one thing out of them. Totally. And, you know, eventually all of those parts of negative, I started to live a very negative life. Yeah. Um, and that led me to self-reflection and, you know, books finding me and 
the first, I would say, moments of introspection mm. um, that made me realize that I'm living a negative life. Wow. I'm choosing this. Yeah. Um, I remember this one quote, now that I say that, this is probably the first one I saw. There's a positive in every negative situation. Oh, wow. Yeah. Right? Yeah, totally. As simple as that was, the fact that I had realized I'm living a negative life and I'm like, you know, how is there a positive in any of what I'm facing right yeah, now, right? Yeah, That totally. was early days. So I 2012, I, I came to that realization. And now I started going through my negative life, choosing the po- choosing to see the positive in each moment. Yeah. And I was like, this is actually a pretty sweet life. Yeah. So the weird, the interesting thing started <laughs> yeah. happening is all of the negative started moving itself out of the way. Wow. And positive things started to happen. Wow. And then funny thing i'm like okay cool so this positive part is the way that's going to make me feel better Mm. but the positive external things yeah that's what i thought so i was like all right cool so instead of being in the streets doing this i can be in business and do this yeah yeah instead of using females for just sex i can be in relationships and and have love yes so i (laughs) i don't know it at the time but i separated my you know external desires into other external desires. Wow, right? yes, yes, yes. And now I, I shifted my pursuit into these positive external desires. Yes. So now I'm what? Um, 24, feeling positive, wanting to make other people feel positive. Yes. Started to become a personal trainer. Yes. Started to read books about entrepreneurship. Yes. Um, started to explore females more. Yes. Um, I started to feel, you know, one night stands and flings were empty. Mm. Um, and I wanted to actually get into a relationship and be vulnerable yes. and, and, and face those things of, um, saying, I love you and, and wow. giving someone a hug. And what was that like coming from a place where you suppressed all of that before and you didn't even hear that in your family? What was that like? Talk to us about, um, uh, how that inhibited you first. And then secondly, how did you transform? Yes, man. Um, I would say how it inhibited me first was, I was so lost in living a story yeah. uh, that I was the story. You know, my story was, yes. I told myself yes. a story in my mind. My parents never said this, so I can't do this. Yes, totally. So it feels uncomfortable when you were this the happens. Mind. Yeah. I was the mind. Yeah, yeah, That's it. Yeah. I was the mind. I was the thoughts. I was the story. So I remember like my one of my first long terms, she would always say, I love you and look in my eyes and I'd feel like, Urgh. and I would even, I would own my story to be like, I can't say it. Like, oh, I can't say really? it. Yeah. yeah. Or I'd, or I'd, and how was that received? Um, she received it more so like it was something wrong with her. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. And um, I've been I've been in a situation where I've been on the other end of that. Interesting. You know? Yeah. Um, quite literally, I was, that was when I was living in Quebec um, about two and a half years ago during the peak of my anxiety and was with, um, you know, one of the most wonderful people I've ever met, honestly. Um, I was in a relationship with her and um, I know that she struggled with those words herself. Um, and, you know, I'd, I'd share them from my end, um, but she couldn't. And I, like, I know that, yeah, it's interesting hearing someone from someone's point of view, um, going through that experience and understanding there's so much, something so much deeper beneath that because I took that very personally. Yeah. You know, I, th- I just felt like, wow, she doesn't love me, you know, but that was not really the truth. And I knew, I knew it deep down, but I at the time required so much external validation that I couldn't feel it. So yeah, um, I love that you're sharing that brother. Yeah. Yeah, man. And, and even still, I think the biggest method of freedom for me from that, like even my partner now, um, <laughs> she may see this and probably laugh. <laughs> um, Cause she knows. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
when when I say I love you, yeah. it'll be like I'll say a lot of things in a slow pace. So they'll yeah. be like, yeah, good night. I uh, can't wait to see you tomorrow. And yeah, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Slide it in there real yeah, quick. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But the beauty is like I don't require myself to say it any differently. Yeah. Um, yeah. It doesn't make me more that. or less. I'm yeah. just cool with that is just the human mind's story. And if that story meant to change, it will change. But I also do know that in the change, sometimes you can even change your story so much that you lose yourself. Yeah. You know, like I am who I am, right? Um, but at the same time, I, I know the place of the mind. But So what was the shift there that helped you um, to be able to be a bit more expressive with that? Man, honestly, exploration. Um, if I had to break that word down, you know, all, all that shift was from negative external to positive external. It was always an exploration, yeah. right? Um, bring it all the way back. Once, when I was a kid, when we were all kids, we explored this amazing life, right? Um, we have fun. We're, we're out there learning new things. Like, this is what this does. This is what happens when we fall over, etc. This is what a bike is. This is what colors are. And at some point, the exploration stops, yeah. right? Because we got to become adults now. Yeah. And... I felt that that exploration for me stopped quite early at at 14, I should say, when it's almost like, honestly, I felt like I had to get my life together now because you got to organize what happened with your mom. Mm. So then I I tried to find who I was down that path. I tried to find who I was down this path. And, you know, the the positive path even led me to heights in business and certain reoccurring patterns in relationships, reoccurring patterns in business too, where I would reach milestones and points and feel exactly the same, aka empty. And I didn't know what was wrong. Like, what am I looking for then? The question is, what is my purpose, right? Why am I here? Do I want to live? All of those thoughts, right? Okay. right? Yeah, I resonate. And every time you, I almost faced that, that point of like, what's the point, Yeah. right? I would be like, come on, Shent, um, just keep going. Just just focus on this next milestone. Get to the milestone, feel the same, what's the point? Yeah. Next milestone. So I was stuck in this 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 interesting loop. Um, and I'm I'm curious, man, um, because I feel the awakening, right? Yeah. Happens so uniquely for everybody. Yes, yes. And I, I honestly feel like it's not a choice, it finds you. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. You come to a point in life yes. where Something happens and it finds you through a person, through a tree, through a book, through a moment, yeah. in a moment. Um, and it found me through one of my mentors, a uh, guy called Steve Papp Sr. Mm. So, and talk a bit about him, actually. Please. Yeah, yeah. yeah please. So this guy, <laughs> funny story. Um, I think I've told you this, Steve, if you ever watch it. Um, so I was personal training at this point, 27 years old. Um, doing ARX, so I had like a st startup that was valued at a million dollars. And this is where I met him. Yeah, yeah, this is where, where I, I met Kieran. And uh, I was enjoying the character I was playing because this character made me feel powerful because he was doing things. He was positive. He was successful. He had a good body. He was emotionally open, but he was still a mask. He was still a character. But I enjoyed playing him. Right. So I was playing this guy, um, thinking I don't have an ego. So one of my clients, <laughs> uh, maybe in about, I think, January, start of the year, um, comes up and he's like, she, she, she was like, Shin, um, what is this? Show me a flyer for like a body scan and a meal, meal plan. Um, 
I was at Club Physical Birkenhead at the time. So we had a competitor gym right next to us, Just Workout, right? And it was a trainer from Just Workout had put their flyers in our gym. Oh, so wow. In, in my mind, I was like the audacity, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but my ego was like, how yeah. dare you? So I'm like, but I don't want to show that to my clients. So I'm like, oh, what is this? And I'm like, God, don't worry about that. I'll just make you a yeah. myself, you know? Deep down, you're like, I'm going to kill this. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Slaughter. And I'm like, yeah. my, my old hood mentality was yeah. like, should, should I ring this dude and be like, yo, you passing shit to my client? Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, so I saw that in like January and I saw the name Steve Paps and I'm like, ah, don't worry about it. I'll make yeah. you a meal plan. Um, and then something started revealing over the next couple of months of where that ego was stopping me from opportunities and how I didn't want to collaborate with people because I'm the man. Once I started to see through all of that, about six months later, I'm walking into my gym and I look down at like where all the flies are and it catches my attention again. And I'm like, I'm going to ring this dude. So this time was a different call, right? <laughs> I rang him with the, with the uh, 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 open collaboration. So I go, hey man, um, I've, I've seen your flies in our gym, et cetera, et cetera. Let's catch up. Let's uh, maybe partner. I'd love to give you some clients so you can handle the nutrition and I just focus on what I do best. Um, and he was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's meet at Junction Cafe in Birkenhead. It's like, cool. So my thought process, I'm going to meet a guy um, to collaborate as a personal trainer and a nutrition nu with a nutritionist. So I got a nutritionist under my belt that yeah. I can refer clients to. That was what I thought this was going to be. Went there, see Steve. Hey, man, how you doing? We, we talk about life for a bit and like what we do. He tells me a random story about his life that... Um, he used to be in security. Uh, he made a lot of money in security, like I think like half a million per contract or per client. Um, ended up achieving an amazing house, got a Ferrari, everything. Lost all of it. Um, and the moral of the story was his thoughts, this is technically what I get now, his thoughts acquired his wealth and his thoughts lost his wealth. Whoa, yes. And now his thoughts are rebuilding things from a much more aware standpoint. Yeah. And then that was over and we're like, it's already been an hour. Hey, maybe we'll talk about this nutrition stuff later. So now I'm like, what the hell was that? Yeah. You know, what was that? Yeah. I've been chasing Ferraris and mansions and all this money. And this guy talked about thoughts. I'm, I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I've been searching strategy, strategies. And, <laughs> the, what strategy? Like, am I looking at the wrong thing here? Um, but what the identity does man is like ah that's junk just carry on doing what you're doing my, my paradigm didn't my ego didn't want to hear that yeah hear that. and that's back to the concept of being on that wheel way that's um it. yeah you, you still didn't look see the other um the opportunity because you're so stuck in that process yeah mm. i resonate with this so strongly right um and it's so addictive to stay on that wheel because it's 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 self-gratifying but it's like a, an illusion yeah to it's it like, is right yeah, yeah um i don't know if you've seen this episode i think it's simpsons random tangent <laughs> Um, or it's Futurama. Someone's eating like a holographic steak. Ah. Do you know what I'm talking <laughs> Sounds about? Sounds like Homer, but yeah. I think it is Homer. Okay. And he's like taking a bite. Going, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> it's literally that. It's yeah, literally yeah. that. You're, you're taking a bite thinking it's tasting good, but you're actually not eating anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what that wheel feels like. Right. I love that. Um, <laughs> so that was the catch up with Steve. And I said, we'll catch up about a week later. Yeah. Funny how what happened in that week i was so close to canceling this meeting with him because i was juggling so much yeah. my my businesses personal training um relationships that 
You know those days where you're so bent out and overwhelmed oh, and, yeah. and you can't even face people, right? Um, and it feels like your eyes are sunken in and you're like, you're feeling like a skeleton, like everyone, you're feeling so naked that people can see all of your flaws. It was one of those days. Um, but that was how I needed to be for this to ever happen in that moment. So I was going to cancel, but something said don't. Um, because my thoughts are dominating me. And this guy's talking about thoughts. Yeah. Right? And, and that's the way to success, but it's stopping me from success. I, I just need to go sit there and see what happens. Like, if it, you know? So I went and sat there. I'm trying to hide how I'm feeling. I can feel this guy seeing straight through me. And he's just like, how are you today? <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, I'm good, bro. I'm good. <laughs> um, and I think he could see that I was so busy chasing something. Right. So... Again, I'm here to talk about the nutrition. I don't even know why I'm sitting here. I think he asked me, um, so why are we sitting here? And I was like, I don't know. Um, and he goes, all right, um, how, much do you, how much do you make per week? That's what he asked me. Um, I said about 700 bucks. Um, 700 to 1,000. Yeah, yeah. Just making that much, turning it over. Yeah. And um, what did you feel when you got asked that question as well? Uh, do you remember? Oh, man, I, I would say... I, at this point, I wasn't portraying that I was making more. Okay, so, see, you know I what see. I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. It, it sort of was like, so I actually felt relieved. Well. I okay. felt relieved, man. I felt relieved that I could actually tell someone where I'm at. I see. Um, as in like, I'm willing to receive your help. Mm. Like, obviously, you've made a lot of money. Let me be real with you. Mm. Um, so I just told him about 700 bucks. And he goes, cool. Uh, he goes, how much of that do you have every week? Like left over? I go, nothing. Like paycheck to paycheck. Um, even though I'm running my own business, even though I'm growing this other business, every bit of money that comes in goes into another business. I'm not, I feel like I'm not getting anywhere. Right. Mm. So he done this drill with me. He goes, all right, you see this table in front of us. Can you pitch your $50,000 on this table? Um, Oh wow. I just realized I've made it crazy. I just made a realization. Then. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. It took a couple of years, but the, it actually worked. Um, so he goes, do you, can you imagine, I'll share that after. Can you yeah. imagine $50,000 on this table? Yeah. And I looked at the table and I go, yeah. And he goes, touch it. And I go, okay. So I'm like grabbing out and feeling like stacks of bundles of like 50s and hundreds. And he goes, awesome. So if this $50,000 becomes real in 24 hours and the only catch, and it's yours, the only catch is you got to come up with 500 bucks by the end of the day. Are you going to be able to come up with 500 bucks paycheck to paycheck? And I go, I don't know. And he goes, well, do you want $50,000? And I go, yeah. <laughs> and then he goes, cool. And he goes, good luck. Got up, walked off. And I'm, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sitting there like, what do I do? Like, yeah. you know, like, yeah. and then I'm like, oh shit, I got a meeting. So as I'm walking back to my car, I can see my mind piecing together how to get 500 bucks, okay. right? Um, keep in mind, I'm paycheck to paycheck at $700 at this point. By the end of the night, I end up with an additional 1400 What? I just made up all of these plans of pre-selling nutrition programs and getting clients to pay advanced and upcoming packages and literally did that in a few hours. In a few hours. Whoa. And then I'd done that and I told Steve, hey man, I made fourteen hundred and he goes, Cool. That five hundred was for your first week of mentoring. Let's begin. And that's when everything started to change. <laughs> so that was November twenty seventeen. Um what, what did you have any resistance come up or you're like the the fact that he got me to see fourteen hundred dollars yeah. that I couldn't see and I'm right, working so hard that was all I needed to see. I love that. You yeah. know. Yeah. Um. 
and and then the journey began man um started investing into him learned more about energy universe frequencies vibrations whatever in a state i'm in is what i'm going to see into this world if i'm if i'm in a state of abundance i'm going to see abundance yeah. if i feel opportunities truthfully wholeheartedly yeah. i will see opportunities and opportunities will seek me because what we're seeking is actually seeking us right yes and man um fast track up until now what has happened um i went from a 50 dollar personal trainer to charging twenty five thousand dollars over a 45 minute chat for a single client yeah. i've done that numerous times i've built an amazing team of coaches taken a lot of other people there a different joy seeing another person achieve those kind of numbers and results when you do it's yeah. almost it almost feels better um which is powerful and a lot of truth as well because with the money came a lot of um things being revealed and seeing through the illusion of money and it's almost like the external pursuit had come to an end and i realized i was always here mm. um but it got a, it took a couple of reaching a couple of places to realize that so man that's probably the short version of my story yeah but um i'd love to share anything else from yeah you. oh absolutely brother so um if i was to ask you what would have been the um top three life lessons that you've gained over the period of that whole story which is just an absolutely mind-blowing story well um, what would be the top three life lessons uh that you've taken away that uh you would say if you were to meet your um say 20 year old self and say yeah i would so say 20 year old self still in that you know yeah the funny thing about this is the things coming to my mind are the things you probably hear every single day on social media. It's like, man, they must go over our head. Trust the process and patience, firstly. Yeah. And and there's a difference between knowing that and experiencing that. Yes. Huge difference. Because yes. um, it's the same with the awakening thing. Like people think, oh, I'm awakened. But like intellectually thinking I'm awakened is not um, actually experiencing no. the awakening itself. And by the way, um, just touch on what do you mean by awakening? Because I think that's important to touch on. Good question. Yeah, because I know people will be like awakening. Oh, woo-woo stuff. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> I would, how, would I, how would I explain awakening is, is being able to see through the illusion of life oh straight up yeah or the right? illusion of mind that's yeah. it that's it like being able to see like um all right how i see karen right now like shent's thoughts on karen um okay he's a he's a humble guy he's um i've known him for a while he's he's real happy he's 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 awakened he's in the same industry as me he's my friend all of those concepts that shape karen is based on my conceptual understanding of karen because then like, there'll be another, um, you know, Joe blog that um, is like, Karen's a dickhead. Exactly, <laughs> I hate Karen. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's such a schemer. Like all this sort That's of it. Yeah, and, yeah, totally. and, but the thing is, Karen is the same to me and that other guy. So when you see past that illusion of however you perceive everything in your life is based on your conceptualization, yeah. I feel that is the awakening. I love that. Um, I um, randomly said to a client um just out of um just in the flow um of the conversation we're having and i just said uh, perception is conditioning um there's a lot out there that says uh change your perception like look from a different angle well, how about look at all angles yes what if you took away all lenses and just saw things as they were rather than um looking from one side of the mountain and being like that's not climbable right what happens if you uh, went to the other side? Oh, that's not climbable either. Oh, the other side. Oh, geez, that's difficult. I might be yeah. able to do it, right? So you know, maybe changing the perception might be might give you a better approach. 
but it doesn't give you a lens of all approaches. However, if you're sitting on top of that mountain and you're looking down, you can see all angles of that. So when you're looking down the mountain, you can see all angles, all pathways. You can start to see, um, oh, well, that way that I was thinking um, was probably a good way. It probably isn't as practical as this way. This way looks a bit better, right? So if you're on top of the mountain, you can see all angles um, and there's no perception there. There's no from one side or the other side or you know the left side or the right side. There's no changing in perception. There's simply removal of perception and seeing things as they are. And that for me is awakening, right? And that for me is uh, seeing things uh, without a lens, without mind and simply seeing things simply as they are. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so you feel awakening sort of that. Line with that? Yeah. 100%. Yeah, I think that's a big thing. And um, yeah, this concept of um, connecting with the truth of um, the fact that if I think I'm awakened, I'm probably not. It's, it's not like the concept of thinking about awakening. Yeah. It's something that I don't really even think about, to be honest. Yeah, it's just it's, an experiential thing. I like how you touch on that because an awakening isn't a, isn't a destination. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a continually shifting journey. Um, it's almost like the, 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 the lens of the mountain, right? Mm. Once we can see the mountain or we're at the top of the mountain, it's, it's almost like the season changes every moment of every day of the mountain, right? So if you're like, yeah, cool, I'm awakened. In the next minute or second, the the terrain of the mountain is going to look drastically different. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's it's awakening is a is a place of being, right? Yeah. Being in a present moment and um, being in an awakened state. Um, it's a state of being rather than a a thing you acquire or an accolade or achievement you take. Totally, right? totally. So it's definitely not a conceptual thing. Um, yeah, yeah. Which um brings us back to the concept that um what was it? What was the first thing that you mentioned to your younger self? Sorry. It was, trust the process and patience. Trust, yeah, so that's not a conce- uh, conceptual thing that you think about. It's not like, um, okay, I'm going to trust the process. It's something that yeah. needs to be embodied, doesn't it? it? So how does one go from actually just thinking it when they hear the words or read it on Instagram? Because yeah. I've seen this all before. I've heard this all before. How does one connect with that? I would say the first quote screaming out to me um, is, everything happens for you, not to you. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. If you can, for- and I actually saw something from Gary Vee today. Um, and, and he was someone that was very early in my journey, but not yeah, so much now, right? Totally. But even still, he says, fall in love with losing, not just winning, <laughs> right? Because we can be like, yes, everything is happening for me, not to me. Um, and only apply that to selective areas of yeah, our life. Like totally. when things are going bad, it becomes a mechanism for me to handling bad. Totally. Instead of actually truly embodying that to the point, um, thank you for why, why mm. ever this happened. Um, someone someone just cut me off on the road because that person meant to delay me for me. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, my camera just died because yeah. And quite literally guys, um, we've been interrupted <laughs> four times already on this podcast. Right. By the way. Yeah. Um, yeah. We've always like, sort of regrouped. Yeah, it's yeah. not been a problem. And, yeah. and even that, um, that happened for something even more serviceful or congruent to come out of us. Yeah. Um, to the point there is no bad or delay or, or something to get or something to wait for because that allows you to truly enjoy what is because there's no label on what is. It just is, right? So awakened of you, brother. <laughs> right? <laughs> 100%. Absolutely, brother. So that's trusting, embodying, the embodiment of trusting the process. Yeah. Oh, man, it's so beautiful. So beautiful. And it's, um, it brings me back to this um, understanding of the fact that so long as I'm in fear of suffering, I will only live life in half strides. Yeah, yeah. It's wow. only in the um, it's only when I no longer fear suffering can I live life in full stride. 
Um, and that's, um, that's like, that's a beautiful teaching by Sadhguru. Um, and it's something that, um, when it, when it, when I heard that message, it was something that I was actually in a place to connect with that because, um, I was starting to, um, come to a place, this is about two years ago now where I was actually beginning to, um, understand this concept of, um, moving through the fear of suffering like no um soon um from this point anyway suffering was going to be something for me that was no longer something i ran away from it was something that i actually enabled and um allowed to flow through me because i was no longer afraid of it um and yeah that's that's such a big thing for me um which yeah i just wanted to bounce it off you because i think that's um that connects so well um yeah beautiful what would say would you say would be the second and third thing you'd say i would say Secondly, this is coming through me. Um, it's cool to not think and see what comes from you, comes through you as, as uh, it does, yeah. right? Um, nothing externally will ever define you or your value. Mm. And it's, again, it's easy to understand that and be like, yeah, I get it, but I'm just going to become a millionaire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Mm. But um, once you can see through why you're actually doing what you're doing or going for what you're going for. Is there any identification of, of that is going to make people perceive me like this or make me feel more valuable? Um, and honestly, sometimes you acquiring the thing or suffering to try acquire the thing is going to lead to your truth. So again, back to trust in the process with that, right? Yeah. Um, if you want to become a multimillionaire because you make, you think it's going to make you feel better, mm -hmm. right? And every, some people are telling you to do it and some people are telling you not to do it. Both answers are right. Yeah. You know, you can either not do it and come to your own truth or you can do it and come to your own truth. Mm. But the truth you'll come to at the end of the day through your experience of life is that nothing externally is is ever going to validate um, or define your your worth and ultimately you. So good, brother. So good. And um, now say uh, one is understanding of that, like one is connecting with that even. Um, and I know that was something that uh, did take me a while to connect with once upon a time, but I did eventually. Um, how, how does one start to uh, come to a place where they do no longer require this external validation in order to feel validated within themselves? How does one actually start to make that shift? Amazing. Um, good question. I actually probably got this answer about two weeks ago. Wow. Truthfully. Um, yes. Oh, that's, I love that you right. said that. I love yeah. that you said that. Yeah. 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 Because, because I mean, I've, I've, in so many points in my life made a conclusion about this is how you do it that yes. um i love that you're still a student always definitely man um yes. it, it came through my mentor and he put it like this uh let's just say your path yeah. your path in life was that you're gonna go bankrupt you're gonna go broke you're gonna start pumping gas at the gas station and not just like some gas station down in the south island but the gas station where everybody knows you would that change your experience on life because now everybody knows Shint's broke. Everybody, would that change my experience on life or would I still be Shint? Or does that change the definition of Shint? Would I be cool with that? Would I be at peace with that? He, he asked me this maybe four or five months ago. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll be at peace. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't allow that to happen. <laughs> yeah. so like, no. you know? But the weirdest thing about it is when he asked me but probably about two weeks ago, um, I'd come to peace with it. In the wow. sense that I visualized, all right, cool. I'm putting on that that orange hivers and one of my mates pulled up and I'm going to put in their gas. Um, I still got my smile. I still got my humor. I go, hey, what's up, bro? You need some gas? Cool, cool. Go get a chocolate bar. Go get a protein. I would still be me. And I'm like, wow, 
I, none of this, I don't need any of this to be me anymore to the point I can truly start enjoying this. Mm. And, and, and that's the power is, is when it doesn't define you truthfully anymore. Um, by exploring worst case scenarios, you got nothing, you're homeless, whatever. Like, can you be peaceful at like that? Then everything is a blessing. You can truthfully enjoy it without it dominating or defining you. Mm. So good, brother. So good. What's the third? Man, um, I got a favor. Can yeah. you ask me the whole question again? And I'll give you the third one. Beautiful. I love it because then it can come through you, right? Yeah. Out of the three uh, biggest lessons that you've learned along your story, um, what is the third thing that you'd uh, yeah, share to your 20-year-old self? Have fun. Ah, yeah, <laughs> so good. Why? Got it. Why, why was having fun so important? If you're enjoying yourself, your enjoy is being in joy. <sighs> and, and a state of joy is a state of love. It's, it's full. It's fulfilling. It's happiness. It's presence. It's peace. Now speak to the logical minded. Why is that important? Put it like this. If you're building, if you're trying to be successful in life, if you're working on your spirituality, yeah. working on your spirituality, that's funny, um, right? Um, if you're working on your dream body, if you're working on business and, and you're not having fun, you're not in a state of joy, you're going to be in a state of stress, a state of resistance. And, mm -hmm. and it, it doesn't lie. You're going to notice, right? Like if you're extremely logical when you're watching this, Think back to the times that you've been hustling and grinding through a rough point. Um, have you noticed that it almost just stays rough? <laughs> <laughs> you know, nothing seems to work out yeah. when nothing is working out is because mm -hmm. it's a self-fulfilling loop. Mm -hmm. And normally when that transition happens is when you get to a point of effort and you just start to relax. Like, actually, I don't care how this goes. You relax. You put a smile on your face. Bang. Suddenly things are starting to work out. So being in a state of joy is honestly my, one of my biggest grounding factors now is I'll be able to catch if Shint is not having fun. Mm. Um, and if he's not having fun, I'll take a moment to stop and breathe and be like, hey, is this is this some sort of suffering that I, I'm okay to go through that it's going to lead me to some, some, some deeper point of congruence? Mm. Or am I just... Do I feel like this this point of suffering is even unnecessary? Yeah. Um. Is it just? Am I just doing something and running off with a random tangent of the mind right now? And that's normally ninety nine percent of the time. My mind right. thought this would be a good idea. Yeah. And now I'm already ten steps into it unconsciously. Yeah. And I'm not having fun anymore. Yeah. I'm like, oh, hold up, let me stop for a second. Beautiful. <laughs> oh, so good, man. So good. Now this joy enjoyment that's been flowing through you and it is now an able choice. Yes. It's actually a choice yes. in your life. Once upon a time, it probably wasn't right. Um, and I can relate with that big time in terms of I couldn't, like people talk, would tell me, bro, just be happy. What do you mean? Like, I, I was frustrated. I'm like, I can't. Like, something must be wrong with me. Like, that's what I'll tell myself. I was in such a deep set of depression that I felt imprisoned by my own emotions and thoughts and uh, my own perception of reality, which isn't reality, right? Um, and I was stuck in this illusion of the fact that this is the way I've got to live. Like, how can I just be happy? What are they saying? So what would you say to someone like that um, who, you know, it was in a state at that, in, in that point and they're thinking, I just, just enjoy, just be in joy, um, just choose joy. How can one go from depression to being able to choose joy. Mm, so repression leads to depression or su suppression leads to depression, right? Mm. I find anybody in that state uh, where it's like, yeah, I get, I get what you're saying, but I'm just feeling like this. Mm. The only reason you're feeling like this is because you're fighting what you're really feeling. 
Yeah. That's it. Like oh, that's just it. You know, and and it doesn't mean you got to show the world all your skeletons yeah, and whatnot. Yeah. Um, start by showing it to yourself. Yeah. Start by writing down on a piece of paper every deepest fear you have, right? Or every thought you have in your mind where you're not worthy. Mm. Like, I am depressed because my partner cheated on me at this thing and I feel like this. Mm. You just putting it smack bang over there rather than don't focus on it, don't focus mm. on it. These things all dominate your life. So I find anyone in a state of depression have so much emotion and thoughts and and stories suppressed in, within themselves that they can't even see it anymore mm. and it's a unconscious driver of their life wow. right so face yourself and if you don't feel like you can face yourself be willing to allow someone to to guide you to facing yourself and mm. you will attract that person i'm not going to tell you to go find someone if you're willing that person will find you that person will pop up in your on your feed um, in your life at a random cafe through a, a flyer on your yeah. gym and literally that person will find you if your heart is willing to accept help yeah and it's not in the chasing of that is it it's in the inviting in so how That's does um, um what does one um how does one shift from that to because you've mentioned this already quite a few times um even off the mic is the fact that the moment that you've gone from chasing for something and you've just surrendered it okay you know what it'll come yeah how, how, do, how do you just do that how do you like i know you talk about trust the process but yeah. how do you just do that you know i reckon a cool way to look at it is just how i keep my mind in check um especially in the early days is to show my mind how much it really doesn't know right oh, i love that right um <laughs> so how do we stop chasing it how do we just let go and surrender and trust that implies that we don't know how it's going to happen so whatever the time is right now it's probably you know 3 to 15 p.m right yeah, it is. Okay. Is it? Okay. <laughs> yeah, on wow. The top, wow. Okay. On the dot. Okay. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Brilliant, mate. Well done. And guys, I've got that wrong so many yeah. times, but that was my first time. Yeah. <laughs> guys, listening, all right, to just the podcast audio. Um, quite literally, did not look at his watch. All right. Um, I forgot yeah, I have a watch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just trying to look just at become the time. a party, right? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty accessories. <laughs> um, but imagine this. Uh, imagine that. I could only leave this room. We're looking out a window right now. I could only leave this room when I know exactly when two birds fly past, right? Like, is it going to be at 317? Is it going to be at 318? Is it going to be at 319? Or let's just say that I can only say what I'm about to say next if I know exactly what Kieran is going to ask me at 323 p.m. I'm never going to be able to say what I'm going to say. I don't know. I don't know. We were interrupted, what, four times? I had no idea. I had no idea. So we never know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen the next second you're watching this. Oh, no. Your door could get booted down with the cops so you can get raided for no reason yeah. if you're in that lifestyle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sounds experienced, bro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Someone could crash into your car outside in about three seconds. Anything can happen. Yeah, quite so understanding that, we really don't know what's happening in this life. We no. really don't know who's orchestrating it. We really don't know what the next moment brings. So... You can't know. Yeah. Can't and, know. and the only place to expose one to potential triggering and tr potential suffering is in the assumption of knowing, isn't it? That's it. Yeah, yeah. When That's I assume it. I know the moment that that um, assumed knowing is yeah. um, uh, is like um, is shifted, is changed, is ends up being different to what I perceived it to be, naturally it'll be triggered. Yeah. But when I can actually completely embrace it not knowing, That's, that's true freedom, isn't it? Yeah. Being able to celebrate and be and enjoy the unknowing. Yeah. Or like the only known one is the unknown. That's that's the quote that's always 
makes more and more sense as I go through mm. life. Mm. So once you can just accept the fact and enjoy that, actually, not that I, not only do I not know, but I don't finally I don't need to know. Yeah, I don't need That's to know what's wrong with me. Either. Right, true freedom. Right, yeah. and then you can put everything on the table. Like this is everything I don't know about my life, mm. and it's all good. Yeah. Then suddenly all of those things lose power. Mm. and you are now willing to face these things and attract the things into your life that's going to allow you to face them. Beautiful. Whatever they may be. Beautiful. I love that. I love that, brother. So last question, or last two questions. What lights you up? Inspiring. It doesn't even make sense. (laughs) (laughs) Inspiring. (laughs) Yeah. Inspiration is spirit in action. Ah, yes. Right? Yeah. And, and motivation and inspiration are different things. Disci- Absolutely. Discipline and inspiration are different things. Yeah. So I notice in life, I'm not always motivated. I notice in life, I'm not always disciplined. Mm. But I do know in life that giving allows me to build up this this tank inside myself. Like a fire starts sort of like growing and growing. And giving, not just like giving people money, but like um, giving a compliment uh giving energy giving giving experience and insights um it's like free energy Mm. that 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 lights me up Mm. puts me into a state of inspiration so beautiful brother so beautiful now one that wants to step into abundance right and um you know wants to attract more abundance into their life because i feel like there's been a strong theme of this over this chat um, so one that maybe is, you know, in a place of stag- stagnation themselves or stagnation, stagnation, we're both saying random words, <laughs> stagnation. Um, and one that, um, you know, is in a place where they are living in a bit of lack. What would you say to them? Almost let go, but let go of this, right? The more you desire abundance, the more it's going to be something you desire. If you want something really bad, if I really want a black watch, yeah. it implies that I don't have it. Ah, oh, I see. You know what I'm saying? It creates distance and space. So funny, my partner actually said something to me this morning and I wanted to say it back, say something back to her, but I didn't feel like it was for that. And it's yeah. almost coming through this. Oh. And I'm like, that was interesting. Um, so I, I spoke on something, I spoke on some stuff about the universe as I do with her. And she was like, yeah, that's beautiful. We can truly manifest anything we want. And I was like, and I wanted to add something onto that. This ties in perfectly. So yes, we can truly manifest anything we want. Only if we have no, we, we truly don't, don't mind if it goes either way. Ah, uh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Only if we don't mind not having it. Can that's we have it. it. Uh, yes 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 and truly embody that yeah yeah because there's again difference between intellectually knowing to truly embodying it's almost like developing a a relationship with the creator or god um because you know that developing that relationship will get you things you can't you can't you can't make a deal with the universe you can't make a deal with god right yeah so i would say that man is anyone in lack right now most likely really desires not being in lack really desires abundance And if you can find peace within the lack, oh. then you realize you already have abundance and ab- and more abundance finds you. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, abundance is realized, as you mentioned, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's not. So enjoy your lack. That's yeah. Oh, and that is abundance. <laughs> that's that's yeah. abundance. <laughs> Aye, that is beautiful. That's the mountain right, right there, right? Yeah, totally.
thank you so much for coming on, brother. This has been an amazing episode. Even with the um, interruptions, it's been beautiful. Uh, so, guys, I cannot recommend enough to go follow this man. Uh, so share us, where, share us, um, talk to us about where they can find you. Um, talk about Legacy as well, because um, this episode is going to go up after Legacy's launch. Um, yeah, tell us. Uh, at Shenthambaya. If you want to know the spelling, check uh, out Pocket it'll be, Ghost. It'll yeah. be tagged, etc. And also, it'll be um, in the show notes as well of the podcast and on the YouTube as well. Beautiful. So, my approach on social media is document. Document my process. Document my truth. And um, give you guys a real-life look into the regular person behind the the icon or the image that we... The character that we play, right? Um, legacy for me has been something that all of my, my mentoring, my coaching programs... Um, I always love to redefine and and continually refine them. And legacy is almost my latest iteration. Um, I ca- I've come to realize one thing that I've done time and time again for people and and in my own life is is turn any passion or idea or transmute my mental inner imagination into something that I can live and serve. And and that being a business, right? So my passion with legacy is to create a pathway for people to turn any sort of idea or thing they are passionate or inspired about and allow that inspiration to turn into a a five-figure, six-figure, seven-figure business. Mm -hmm. And honestly, things like the next Facebook and the next Amazon, because these were all based on inspired actions at the Mm -hmm. end of the day. They were were all things that were very close to these founders like Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg. And we all are great visionaries at the end of the day, if if that is the path we feel like we want to walk. So Legacy is just a, a, a conveyor belt or a seamless pathway to take you through that process based on my own experiences and my clients' experiences. And um, yeah, check out my vibe. And if you resonate, you resonate. Thank you so much, brother. You guys can find all those um, all that information for Legacy, for Shent, um, in the description below, <clears throat> in the show notes and everything there. Um, thanks so much once again, brother, for coming on. Um, honestly, I love you, brother. Thank you once again. And um, yeah, guys, uh, you know that, of course, uh, as always, we don't charge for this. We don't have ads, nothing, none of the sort. Um, We want this to be free content. Um, I might do advertising one day, but um, for the meantime, uh, I'm not going to do any of that. So there is a fee and the fee is just this. The only fee that I ask is that if you did find any uh, benefit from this, you learned anything, you gained anything, you got entertained, uh, to simply share it. Just tell a friend or post it on social, um, like screen record, post in your story, any of the rest. Um, uh, subscribing, um, reviewing, um, all, the, all that sort of thing helps us grow the podcast. It's the only way we do grow is actually word of mouth. Um, so yeah, that enables us to reach people that may also be benefited by this sort of uh, stuff. So if you do feel that you benefited in any way, then do us a favor and share it. As always, guys, I love you so much. Thank you for tuning in, guys. Until next time, catch ya. Beautiful. I love you too. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I do this for you.